Welcome to Write the Thing Podcast. I'm your host, Echo Jaden. I'll be bringing you interviews from different creatives about the passions and mindsets behind their things. As an aspiring author, I am always on the lookout for ways to grow in my craft. I'm looking forward to sharing what I learned with you so we can all write the things that matter most. Let's get to it. Hey everybody, this is Echo Jaden, and today I have Armando Cruz with me, who is the best-selling author of The Legacy Code, Modern Man's Guide to Escape Obscurity and Live a Life Unleashed. He's a husband, a father, a venture, best-selling author, lifestyle, physical therapist, and legacy coach. He's also the creator and owner at Richman Experience, and he's the owner at Cruz um, Country uh, fitness and physical therapy. Hey, Armando, thanks for being here with me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, we're just going to dive right into it. Um, little icebreaker uh, question that I always try and do with guys is uh, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Mm, okay. So I guess with this question is how we define the superhero, right? <laughs> right. Are we thinking uh, specifically if we're going with like a Marvel or a DC uh, comic superhero or just in whatever general term? I actually, uh, when I wrote that, I actually was thinking in a g- general term, but I wanted people just to take it however which way they took it. So yeah, general terms, totally cool. All right. Um, huh. here's, here's, here's how I'd answer that. The superhero I would like to be mm-hmm. is one that could understand anyone and anything. Okay. And so that could be language. That could be just emotion. That could be, and I know it sounds kind of corny, but I don't know why I've always felt very fascinated with this idea of being able to communicate so clearly and so connected with another person that I would feel like, if you could do that, you would be able to not only impact people in such a positive way, but also help influence them and allow them to grow and continue to push forward. So yeah. I, that's my answer and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, and, and um, you know, as authors, our, our key is to communicate to people in such a way that they understand what we're trying to say, whether it's, it's a fiction story or a, um, a nonfiction book like you've written. It's, it's a way for us to connect to people. And I totally think that's a great answer. So I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, to dive on in, um, this podcast is called Write the Thing Podcast. I want to know about your thing. What is your thing? What is the thing that motivates you to get up in the mornings that gives you passion and reason for your life? I think that goes down to one of my, one of my big values. So, you know, my values can be summed up in three words. Love, light, creator. Mm. And creator is the one that, when you ask me about that, is the one that pops up. I feel like I was put on this earth to create experiences, to create impact, uh, to create meaning, to create the life that I want, to help others create that life. So to me, when I, the thing that gets me up 
is that they, the ability to create and to do so however I'd like, you know, the, one of the most exciting things for me is a blank canvas, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, in a literal and, and, and figurative sense, it's like, I can do anything with this, right? And what's really fascinating, this will be kind of like a little sidebar, is that my wife and I, so we've been, we're going to be married 14 years in December. And over these past 13 plus years, we've really gotten to understand our, our strengths. And mine is starting, is give me the blank canvas, I'll get it going. I may not get all the details right. But her superpower is is kind of editing. Put something on there. If she sees a blank canvas, it's, it takes significantly amount, a lot more energy for her to do something with that. So when she sees something, she can already see how to make it better. Uh, and again, connecting that now with my book, mm -hmm. it's like the idea of writing a book. Okay, I had no idea what I was getting into. I just went out and I did it. And then... She ended up being my editor and she said, look, I know what you're trying to say, but what you're written and what you're trying to say are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I, she would ask me questions and then from there we would build on it to actually, to actually communicate what I was actually trying to say. Gotcha. So sorry for the, for the jump, but I, I felt like, I, I think it made sense. It did make sense. No, I loved it. That, that worked out. That worked really well. Um, speaking about values, I mean, you kind of said one of your values and how you bring that into your life, but um, how do your other values show up in your work? All right, so um, let, let's kind of break them down real quick. Uh, love. I, I use this, so think about values like a compass. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a compass allows you to know the direction that you're headed in. That being said, your values have to work in conjunction with your beliefs. And so if your values are your compass, then your belief is the map, right? Because you need to have a lay of the land of where you're headed, where you want to go, mm -hmm. to use that compass effectively. I mean, other than that, a compass just points in a direction, but how do you know what's the right direction, right? right? So it's the combination of the two. So for me, love is how can I show up with love as love for, for others? Um, can I be loving in this situation or how can I be more loving in this situation? And so it's, it, it comes from a place of service and uh, understanding of who I need to be in the moment to live out that value. So love is really important because, you know, my five-year-old or, or now he's six, you know, he goes, Dad, you know that I love even the bad guys because all you need is love. That's what he tells me. He's like, all right, you know, I'll take it. Yep. Right? So, uh, yes, all you need is love. <laughs> so, at its core, yes. And so I feel like that's really important for me to show up as the best version of myself and the truest version of myself. And then light. Uh, one of my, one of my uh, coaches share with me this a more um let's call it prehistoric a, a more literal sense of the word guru okay. and most people 
you know, when they hear the word guru, they, they throw in the air quotes guru. Right. But after he shared the actual meaning of it, I was completely blown away to the point where I can confidently say that I seek out to be your guru or anyone's guru that I meet at that moment. And what do I mean by that? And so what he explained was guru comes from the Sanskrit, Sanskrit words gu and ru, darkness, ru, light. So quite literally, a guru is somebody that helps bring you from the darkness into the light. And that really resonated with me because the idea of shining light where somebody has darkness, where somebody is struggling, is so much in alignment with the service that I, that, that I want to show up in this world with. Um, to serve another is one of the highest callings. It's why I, why I do what I do. It's, you know, as a physical therapist, as, as a coach, as a husband, as a father, you know, the way I serve the world through my kids is raising good citizens, raising people, raising kids for the future that are going to create a positive impact and produce in this world in a, in a meaningful way, not consume and be a detriment to society, right? Like that's my intention going into this, right? Whether I'm successful or not <laughs> remains to be seen. But so far I'm feeling like we're, in a, we're headed in the right track. Right, definitely. Right, so love, light. So, you know, for the way I use it is, okay, how can I, how can I shine my light? How can I bring more clarity to the situation? Um, if I'm going to speak, am I going to speak in such a way that it's gonna add value and bring people closer to a greater good, or am I gonna bring down the situation and add darkness? And if it is, then okay, maybe I shouldn't say anything at this moment. Maybe now is not the right time. Maybe I'm not in the best place to have this conversation, so I better step away so that I can ensure that I'm being in alignment with my, with my values. And then creator, we already talked about, but it pretty much encompasses the way I live on my life with those three words. That's fantastic. Awesome. That I really, I really like that. And yeah. All right. Um, you started talking a little bit about your kids and uh, kind of letting them, you know, the future that they're going to have. And that kind of wraps around with your book of legacy. Um, so in your book, the legacy code, it, um, it's all about mindset. Um, and it's about building a mindset now so you can have a legacy later. Why do you focus so much on legacy? Because in order to have the legacy later, you have to live the now. Right, right. Because no matter how you slice it, you're going to have a legacy. Mm -hmm. Right? Like there will be the ripple that continues after you. Um, some people's ripple will, will be greater. Some people's ripple will um, go for longer. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, is how intentional do you want to be about it? Do you just want to kind of leave it to chance or do you want to live with intention in such a way that you are actively and purposefully creating the legacy that you want? Right? Because if you're doing, if, if, if you're living that now, you're reinforcing the ripple of the future. Gotcha. Um, in the book, one of the, one of the statements that I, that, that I share is 
the life that you live is the legacy that you leave. Mm. Right? Yes. So if that's the case, be intentional by the, by the way that you're, by the way that you're living your life in such a way that it creates what it is that you want. It creates the impact that you want. It creates the children that, or at least you position yourself, right? Because we're all, look, at the end of the day, we all have to make our own decisions. We have to take responsibility for ourselves, right? So that's part of the things I teach my kids. So at some point, they are going to go out in the world on their own and make their own decisions. My job is to provide a frame of reference and a process in which to process uh, decision-making, the world at large, and so that at the end of that, use a frame of reference of service, use a frame of reference of love, use a frame of reference of the things that I feel are are important that will add value to to the world going on and give them an upper edge as being great people as well as contributing to to our society in a meaningful way okay i love it thank you um so right right the thing podcast is a podcast about mindset and it's a podcast about the whys behind everything so your mindset um how does how, how does um, your legacy help you create that mindset to be a creative? It's, does that make mm, sense? Mm, um, can you either repeat it or ask it in a different way? Yes. So as a creative, what do you do to get your mindset in the right space? Mm, got it. Uh, create. <laughs> All right. I know that's, that sounds kind of, kind of, uh, like circular thinking, but here's, here's, here's how, how it, here's how that actually, um, helps with it. Having be, being a creator as one of my values, creator, mm-hmm. um, if I'm creating, I'm in alignment with my values. If I'm in alignment with my values, it, it's kind of like a self-perpetuating engine that keeps me moving. So what I've done is I've created opportunities on a daily basis for me to create. Um, at this point, I have written every day at least, so my minimum is 50 words. And it seems like, oh, it's, that's not a lot. And it's not a lot on purpose because it's designed with one main premise, which is what can you do even on your worst day? Okay. That changed the, that shifted everything for me. That one rule that I, I, I realized that if you want consistency, if you want longevity, you have to create minimums that you can execute successfully even on your worst day. By the way, that's the premise for my next book, and it's on habits. Um, but with with that with that being said, I've written every day. Um, it was it was something close to four hundred and some days, and then I took four days off, and then as of today, it's been since I took those four days off. 
which happened after my 100 miler that I ran. I just kind of stopped everything for just to kind of hit a physical and mental reset. Mm -hmm. And then I began. Uh, today is 605 days in a row since my, since, or it's 605 days um, that I've been writing in a row, 50, 50 words. Um, I've made 600, uh, uh, I've done 605 videos, you know, every day for the past 605 days. Um, I just recently uh, started writing haikus. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm like on day 40 without missing a day. And then at the, at the beginning of February, I decided that I wanted to, to kind of explore some, some art a little bit more. And so I gave myself constraints. And so the constraints were, I would, I would draw a picture of a wolf and that's a different story of why a wolf, but, um, on a three by five index card every day for a year. So I'm on day 156 and without missing a day. So I've created these opportunities in my life because creating is so important and such a vital part of who I am. And what's fascinating about it for me is that I've, I've done this for me, mm -hmm. but it's trickling down to my kids mm. to the point where December of last year, my son, he said to me, you know, I'm really interested in running cross country. He's going to be going into a, a new school. That new school has been state championship for 10 years straight. Wow. So I said, well, if you're going to do that, you need to be considered like you have to be, you can't go in there the first day that you go in. And now is when you start training. I said, do you, do you want to have the consistency and build the foundation so that when you're there, it's not going to, it's not, doesn't mean that you're going to be the best. What it's going to mean is you'll have started to create a habit and created a, a foundation from which to work from. Instead of starting from zero, you're starting from a, a more solid foundation. He's like, let's do it. On Wednesday, the 1st of July, uh, sorry, I, I know that whoever's listening, they don't have context. So uh, on July 1st, um, they, he hit day 200 of running in a row and doing calisthenics or lifting weights in a row. So two, two, two different concepts. Right. He also really loves origami. So he's also done 200 uh, pieces, at least 200 pieces of origami um, with the intention of creating a habit and putting in the reps to achieve mastery. I love it. That is, that is amazing. And, it, and by the way, he's 11. <laughs> That's awesome. I, you know, I have a daughter who's 11 and um, she wants to be a big YouTuber and all that and all that stuff. And so she's, I told her you have to do something every day to get better, whether it's, um, figuring out editing or figuring out music or, or something along those lines. And, uh, and I don't know if she's stuck to, to the straight every single day per se, but um, she's, you know, I'm proud of her for what she's doing, but I'm going to incorporate some of what you just said. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's fantastic to have an 11 year old running that consistently and doing those things consistently. Um, that's just awesome. You got to be really proud. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, and by the way, not because, I mean, I obviously love running, 
and it gives me an opportunity to run with him and but it's seeing that consistency that that really because no matter what he decides knowing that he can put that level of consistency into anything is a lesson that he can take in whatever endeavor he decides that's so cool that is awesome all right um i want to talk about the wolf i want to talk <laughs> the wolf yeah that yeah it kind of corresponds with the next lesson like what is something you do out of the norm that helps you get better and and i i know the wolf story because we've talked about it before i want you to share that because it's such an awesome thing that you do okay um so I just, again, this was, we're at day 155. So whatever, 155 days was, I forgot the date. Um, I decided, I, I don't know, I watched a video on YouTube and it was uh, this guy that he was sharing that, um, it, it was an artist and he kind of went to his mentor trying to t ask him, you know, like, what can I do to get better? And the, the mentor essentially told him, draw one thing every day for a year. And... What he said was he started doing it. He decided on an IBIS. And at first it was a pretty like straightforward IBIS. And he goes, what started happening as the year went on is the IBIS took on almost like a storyline and it became a platform for social commentary for him. And so now the IBIS wasn't necessarily the main focus though he was drawing it every day but now there was a message there was something something greater started happening and so th then there was like momentum around this ibis that now allowed him to start realizing the power that he had with the consistency and it started developing some other insights for him and i was like wow that's really cool but as my wife likes to say um I rarely take things at face value. So I, <laughs> I add more constraints. And the reason I add more constraints is because it seems paradoxical, but constraints create freedom mm. um, because they force you to think beyond the normal. And so my constraints were, I would draw a wolf. Now, I get to decide what drawing a wolf means, right? It's my, it's my challenge. Right. But I also put myself the constraint that I would do it on a three by five card. Why? There were multiple reasons why. Uh, one of them, it's a smaller thing. So I kind of wanted something pocket sized because consistency is about creating access and space. And I could take a three by five card with me always. I'm not going to always want to take a journal or you know, like a big book with me. So if I go on one of my adventures out in the wild, I can take a three by five card. I don't want to carry and lug around a big notebook because I'm running 10, 15 miles into the wild. I'm trying to go as light as possible. So I start thinking about, okay, what's going to, what's going to work for my, the way I approach life. And I said, okay, I like the portability and the smallness of a three by five card. Plus now it's like, Oh, okay, now you got to start playing with three by five, which isn't a lot of space. And so the wolf, at first, it was straightforward. Uh, I started drawing, trying to do everything very realistic. And 
I, I, by the way, I, I do everything with pen. So that was the other thing. Like I, I start with pencil, the general um, proportions, and then I, I finish it off and with pen. And sometimes it sucks, but I don't, I don't get rid of it. It's part, that's part of it. That was today's wolf, a sucky wolf. <laughs> right. I, I, you know, and I'll make comments. I was like, man, the proportions are all off on this. Uh, but it, so now what it does is it, it puts a reminder. Oh, bring the eye a little bit more this way. Bring the, the nose a little bit more this way. Oh, I started getting that. And then I started, well, I kind of like the cartoon wolf a little bit more because I, I can play around with the expressions a little bit more. Oh, I kind of like that. I started playing around with a, the, what I call the, the, the warrior monk wolf. And so now he's got more of a human body, but like a wolf face. And, you know, now that started taking on its own thing. And then I started playing around with abstract and it's just been forcing me to create in many different ways. And sometimes I don't feel like doing it. I, sometimes I'm like, ah, so then I have to create a way of projecting the wolf in the simplest way because I don't really want to spend a lot of time. You know, some of them take me an hour. Some of them take me five minutes. A lot of it has to do with time that I have and mental bandwidth that I have. And if I really don't feel like doing it, I'm like, okay, how do I make it sim simple? I still remember there was one, it was one day I had been working all day and I really didn't want to do anything. And I was like, I kept looking at the three by five and I was like, you know, I actually really appreciate the white space on this. And I literally drew a wolf about the size of a, a thumbtack, like the, the silhouette on the, on the little corner and a moon on the other one. And so like the wolf was there, the moon was there, but it was all white space. And I was like, I like it. It's simple, but I like it right for today. Right. And I, so, you know, the wolf has, so then the next, sorry, to, to kind of dive in deeper, like why, why a wolf of all things? I could have chosen whatever. I, I, you know, I wanted to kind of go with that concept, choose one thing and do it for the rest. And, you know, I like going hiking with the kids and with my, with my wife and I like being outdoors. And so one of the things when you go, if you ever do a through hike, which is usually like on a long trail, that you're going to be out for a long, you get very often people go by trail names. They don't, they don't go by their actual name. It's kind of like part of, part of the culture of, of the trail. And while I haven't done a, a through hike, it fascinates me that, that idea. And so I, it was a few, it was a few years back. We got to go to the Appalachian trail and I got to go for the first time back country camping with my three kids and my wife where we hiked in the Appalachian Trail. So we gave each other trail names. And my kids gave me the trail name Moon Howler, <laughs> right? And I was like, I don't know why, but I'll take it, you know? So that seed was planted. And then, I don't know, when I was deciding there was something about the wolf. And so I said, okay, I'll, do, I'll draw a wolf. When I started drawing the wolf, I was like, man, I really wish I would have picked something that didn't have so much hair. Like the hair is such a pain in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> I know the so, problem. <laughs> well, there you go. Try drawing that now. Right. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of like the story in a nutshell of the wolf and the, the journey towards it. I love it. That is awesome. 
that is just ah, oh, I love it. Uh, one thing you did say, you know, uh, constraints create freedom. I was just part of a five-day uh, writing challenge um, by an author I know who kind of just threw it up and threw up prompts that you had to use and you couldn't deviate from them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were kind of struggling with that going, I, I don't like the prompts, you know, that's not really my thing. And he also said, choose a genre you're not, you don't normally write in. Mm -hmm. and I, I like sci-fi and I like urban fantasies and stuff like that. So um, there was one uh, paranormal romance and I'm like, I have no idea what this is, but I'll go for it. And I went for it and it was so much fun because it made you think outside of what you normally think of. And, and the constraints was it had to be 2000 words or less and you oh, less. Right. Yeah. So it's short story, you know, very, very short story, just a scene really. And uh, I don't know how many great stories came out of that, a challenge that I just was reading left and right. And, and it just influenced me. And I was like, Oh, this is great. You know? And so I totally understand the whole constraints creates freedom. And I love that. I just love that saying. Um, gosh, that's awesome. I, I want to hear more about your adventures uh, and specifically there's one in the book that I, I really wanted to bring up, <laughs> um, the camp out with your son in the snake and gator infested swamp. Like talk to me about that. And, and, and then also after you talked to me a little bit about that and how, how that was, how do these adventures of yours help build your mindset and your creativity? Okay. First of all, thanks for bringing that one up. That one's that, that, that one is very meaningful to me. And it's funny because yesterday was the 4th of July and actually took my son, uh, like exact, almost to the same spot, but we went the opposite way okay. and we were out for two hours running in literally the swamp from knee deep to ankle deep. And we saw, well, he saw his first cotton mouth snake. And it struck at us, which was, and I got it on video, which was pretty awesome. By the way, let me, let me, <laughs> before people freak out, right. um, we were not near enough for it to, to, for it to actually hurt us. Like the video that I have can zoom in a lot closer than what it is, but the <laughs> fact that it did it and we were there and we actually saw it was really cool. Sure. Um, granted. It's all cool as long as we all make it out alive, right? Like, we could have stepped on it, right? But I saw it early enough that we went around it, you know? <laughs> um, but I also have been doing this for a while, so I understand what I'm looking for. Not that I can't miss anything, but I understand what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a conversation that I had with him because we're, again, knee-deep to ankle-deep water the entire time for two hours, running and hiking for that. And, and, um, so rewind, this is, ten, I'm trying to think if it was his seventh birthday or his ninth. I'm drawing a blank now because I've done a few of them. So <laughs> it was seven or nine. I, I know it was an odd, it was seven or nine. And he had never gone back country camping before. And it's something that I really wanted to take him on this, this kind of immersive experience. And so we left, we left late and we went to this place. I had never been, mm. I, I gave him the option. I said, Hey, we can go here. I've never been here. Or we can go to this other place that I've been. Both of them I hear are, are awesome. Obviously I've been to the one he goes, 
ah, let's go to the one you haven't been to. Okay, great. So it was new for both of us. And from the beginning, it was mud all over the place that that actually before we went in we went into the ranger station and the ranger said listen there's some walking sticks i highly recommend you take it because it is so slippery out there and so we're like okay you know i don't normally hike with with walking sticks um but i'll take your word for it and man i'm glad we did because we were slipping and sliding all over the place wow and then there you know we crossed through sw- cypress swamps as well. So you're like knee to knee, knee deep in water. And again, this was the first time me going there. I'm bringing my son. So I'm freaking out because I don't know, hey, is there a gator here? Is there a water moccasin? Is there? Right. Uh, so I'm like on high alert as we're crossing this. I'm like looking left and right, left and right. I'm like, stay close. I don't make sure they come from the back, <laughs> you know. Um, but it was one of those things that, I, sh- I sh- actually had the conversation with him. The two ingredients necessary for a true adventure are the unknown and a little bit of suffering. Mm. And it sounds a little bit masochistic, but here's why. The unknown is if you're going on an adventure, you need, like, if you know everything that's going to happen and when it's going to happen, it's no longer an adventure. It's, it's an agenda. Yeah. And adventures rarely have clear agendas. And so having going into the unknown helps build your mindset, builds your strength, builds your creativity, because you have to be able to respond based off your training. And you have to also honor the fact that it's going to bring out holes in your training. And I'm not talking about necessarily just training, training, like your exercise, but literally the, like how you view things, the repetitions you've put in, right? Do you know enough about about the plant life? Do you know a lot enough about snakes? Do you know enough about this to be safe? And I remember my kids love getting like um, uh, lizards and stuff like that. I don't love that. Yeah. But as, if they brought it to me, I would hold it very like, I don't really want to hold this, but okay. And, you know, the snakes, the same thing. Mm-hmm. I realized that I grew up where my family was like, oh, snakes are all bad. And I wait, like, snakes are snakes. They're not bad or good. They're just what they are. So how do I learn more so I can feel more confident? Like, to me, a snake meant everything is going to kill me all the snakes. And I started realizing, I'm like, okay, wait, let's break this down. How many actual poisonous snakes do we have down here in Florida? I think it's five. It's the coral snake, uh, the coral snake, the um, rattlesnake, the water moccasin, the the pygmy rattlesnake, and the diamondback. Okay. So, okay. So now there's only five that kill me. So how do I, how do I, how do I identify those so that I don't freak out? Right. Right. Um, I guess we could, uh, but sorry, not, those aren't the only ones that kill you. Those are the only ones that are poisonous because we have invasive uh, pythons that could kill you because they're massive. Right. Crush <laughs> uh, you to death. Right. Yeah, but it's different. Yeah. It's different. Uh, that's what they're going to squeeze. You maybe have a little bit more of a chance there. Right. Right. Uh, 
so again, I started learning more and then involving them as part of that process so that they're not afraid of what they don't know. They can start knowing more and respecting it and saying, okay, my, my son, like we'll be hiking. He's like, can I grab that snake? I was like, well, do you know what kind of snake that is? And if he says no, I said, okay, then maybe, maybe you need to learn that before. I have no problem. Grab the snake if you want, but let's make sure that that's one that it's not going to kill you. <laughs> right? Like respect it, respect right. it. Right. Right. And by the way, he's not grabbing it to try to harm it. He's trying to grab it because he's curious about it. He wants to see it. He wants, you know, uh, interact with it. Correct. And I'm like, okay, great. Now I've gotten a better eye and I'm like, yeah, that's not a poisonous one. Go for it. If you can catch it, you, if you can catch it, you can grab it. Of course, it's too quick for him. And so he'll run and he'll dive after it and he misses it and it's okay. Yeah. But he, he doesn't have that. Oh no, no, you can't do that. Cause all the snakes are going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, I know there's a little bit of a tangent, but it, it's all, it's all related to that adventure. And in that first adventure, like there was a lot of unknowns. There was a lot of unknowns because I had never been there, uh, dealing with the walking in water. Uh, that was the first time I had actually done that, at least in that capacity. Mm-hmm. And then we were headed to a campsite that we didn't know what it looked like. And we started late. So the night was falling upon us. And I'm like, man, we're kind of in a predicament because we've hiked a lot slower because of a lot of the, the mud. Mm-hmm. We've hiked a lot slower because of the water. I don't know what this thing looks like. Night is coming. I don't want to be out here without a shelter, without camp, uh, in a, in a place where I don't, I don't know. And we were just like hiking. I said, Hey, we got to double time it. And so we start going and start going and start going. And it, it's at this point, cause this is December. His birthday is December 2nd. Okay. And, uh, and he, so, so it gets darker earlier. And it's getting close to six o'clock and it's getting like, there's nothing out there. You're in the Everglades and there's nothing out there. It's starting to get darker and darker. I'm like, man, we're not there. And I'm like, I have my head down. I'm moving. He goes, dad, over here. He had spotted off the corner of his eye of like uh, a makeshift fire ring that somebody had camped there. And I was like, we're camping there. <laughs> right. Right. He, he, I was like, okay. We're camping there. And so we pitched the tent and I started cooking. And then it was like, oh, he had never had gnocchi because he's, he's, um, he has like dairy allergies and he has uh, like peanut allergies. So finding some of the stuff. And I was like, well, gnocchi is, is potato. And I was like, oh, would you like to have some of that? Like when we were kind of picking out and he's like, yeah, sure. So he got to experience some new food while we were out there and we made it in a very makeshift way. I brought a little bottle of olive oil. I brought um, a little bit of oregano and then we had some dry summer sausage. Mm. And so we cut up pieces of dry summer sausage, put some oregano and some olive oil. And that was dinner. That's awesome. And then, Oh, I had found like a recipe for, like a three ingredient recipe for uh, for a bread. Mm. So I made in the pot, 
I made this bread, this um, rosemary bread. And with a little bit of olive oil, it was like, ooh, especially after a few hours, like three or four hours of hiking. Right. And there were mosquitoes out there. Still, it's still the Everglades, so you're going to get mosquitoes. <laughs> and I remember, you know, getting bit, but we were in front of the fire and it was like a little uncomfortable, but still like awesome because, you know, again, there's something about creating fire. Oh, that was the other thing. How do you make a fire? Okay, so we're breaking it down and using, not primitive like as in bow drill, but we went with something, instead of a lighter, we went with a ferro rod. So I taught him, okay, let's grab, you know, we have to get the tinder bundle and we have to get the, the kindling and we have to get, you know, the fuel. And so he went out searching for these things because we had already practiced mm -hmm. here at home. So he knew what he was looking for. And then I had him process it and then, you know, I had him strike it and he lit it up and then we slowly built it and built it and built it. And, you know, again, so many different lessons and experiences that, that I'll never forget. And that now the other kids, my other two mm -hmm. have asked and we've gone like now it's been a little bit more difficult because before he was the oldest one and the other ones were too little. So it was nice to separate. Mm -hmm. But now the other ones, it's kind of like, well, if I take this one, the other ones are old enough. They want to come too. Right. So now do I say no? So I've kind of now, instead of it, I, in hindsight, I, I think I want to go back and do individual trips with each one, but I haven't done it. It usually ends up being, hey, we're going to go camp. Oh, can we all come? Yes. If they're excited about it, I don't want to like suppress it. Right. So... I don't know if that answered. Oh, okay. Wait. So the second, so that was the experience mm -hmm. that, that was part of the experience. You know, we came back. The other thing that we did was on the drive back, this is, um, part of the, it's in the Miccosukee Indian reserve. Okay. The, the, this part of the Everglades. So we stopped at a restaurant, which I never, I remember as a kid, we never, we never went into any establishment really like that because we were, you know, four kids and you know, it gets expensive. We ate a lot, but it was just him and I, and I was like, Hey, I've never tried frog legs or gator or whatever else I have. You, you want to eat, you know, like, you know, you come out of the bush, right. you're hungry. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. So again, it was another new experience. So he had frog legs. He had some of the, the bread that they make. I forgot the name of it. Um, some gator. Mm -hmm. and some other some other stuff and it was like oh cool i mean it's not food i want to eat every day right um not because it tasted bad but it was just greasy you know like it was just heavy food there was no vegetables anywhere <laughs> it was just all fried everything was fried right so i was like all right i can appreciate it i was hungry i came out of the bush but if i ate this every day i have a heart attack right you know so I, that was the experience um i think it really set the tone for for a lot of the other experiences that we've had since then mm -hmm. Um, and then also piqued the interest of the other kids as well, the other, the other two. But again, how does that increase creativity? How does that help me with my writing? How does that help me with my mindset? And it's, I think adventure is crucial for building um, resilience. I think it, adventure is a physical manifestation of revealing 
your strengths, your weaknesses, and your potential because of those two, those two components that I shared earlier, the two ingredients, the unknown and suffering. Right. And I, can I share one more story real quick? Yeah, by all means, go for it. Because I think it brings this to, to, to light. I, I, I ran a retreat for, for men. Um, it was a primitive retreat. The idea was to go back country and teach them valuable lessons through the art of building a primitive fire. And so these were married men that, you know, felt a little bit stuck and they wanted to have a more fulfilled marriage and understand their partner better. They're kind of going into their business a little bit more focused and maybe with a little bit more of an edge. And so I, I, I had an idea of where I wanted to do it, but I had to do recon work. I had never been there. I didn't want to take, I, I wanted, so there's one thing where if I'm going somewhere, I have, I, like me having a lot of unknowns is okay, but I'm going to be leading other people. I need to be able to understand how I can create the environment that I want to deliver the result that I want. So I said, okay, I have an idea of where I want to do this. I need to do some recon work. And so this was the, the retreat was going to be in November. And I did the, I did the reconnaissance work, I think in September and it's still hot. It's still hot down here. (laughs) And I said, you know what? I'm going to go completely minimal. This thing was five miles away. I got to the park where it was probably at 4 p.m. Normally, they don't let you go out there like, hey, you're going to be out there in the dark. You're not going to get to camp on time. I said, don't worry, I'm running. I'll get there. I'll get to five miles without a problem within the hour. And they're like, okay, but understand, you know, if it goes black, you're not going to see anything. I said, okay, I got it. So the idea was I'm going to run, so I'm going to go minimal. And I checked the weather. It wasn't going to rain. So all I brought was a little backpack with some food, uh, water, and filter, a little, a little pot to cook, and I brought a sleeping bag and a sleeping mat. That's it. Uh, I think in all, it was probably like probably six pounds, 10 pounds max because of water, sure. but probably, probably under six pounds, like without the, the consumables. And I went running in my sand. Oh, that was the other thing. I, I, I made it a little bit more primitive. So I, I made these, these sandals and I ran for five miles in the wilderness in these makeshift sandals. And I get there and I'm loving life until the sun goes down. And the mosquitoes are assassinating me. <laughs> I am just getting lit up. At nighttime, like it was the first time I was genuinely, because it was pitch black, I wasn't going to go like walking back right. uh, in the pitch black. And again, I had crossed some swamp. I was like, there's no way I'm getting in that when it's, when it's dark. I was genuinely eyeing the phone number to have the ranger rescue me. That's how bad the mosquitoes were. We're talking about suffering. It was so like, I was, 
I couldn't sleep the entire night. I was just so uncomfortable. I was on the floor and just getting, ah, it was hot. So then you would put something over your head, but then you would start sweating so much because it was so hot. And then you would take it out and it was just like, ah. I survived somehow. It was like five in the morning, six in the morning. And it kind of, like, like the mosquitoes relented a little bit. And, and I remember building another fire. And I was like, I was exhausted. And I was like, man, I'm so glad that was over. But I was so, I was so close. I was so close to, uh, to calling, it a, calling it quits. And I'm glad I didn't. Not because I had a great time, because I didn't. I suffered the entire night. But I learned how to get through that suffering, which made me stronger. What did I have to do mentally to, to overcome that? And it gave me more confidence in knowing, number one, what you're going to need out there, mm-hmm. right? Because if I'm bringing guys that are not normally used to suffering out there, right. you know, I want it still to be a pleasant experience. Okay, so if we're going to go out there, okay, these are some pretty important things that you're going to want if you're going to want to enjoy it, right? Because part of this is also enjoying it. I don't want, you know, suffering is my thing. It doesn't have to be your thing, <laughs> right? Especially if you're paying me. Exactly. We're, we're not, we're not, we're not going to make you suffer to, to the same degree. I'm not going to take you to there. It's going to be uncomfortable because it's hot. It's going to be uncomfortable because you're going to be trudging through water. It's going to be uncomfortable because you're hiking for a certain amount of miles, but it doesn't have to be like that you're hating life either. Yeah. So, um, I, hopefully that illustrates the importance of why the suffering is important because it takes you to places you wouldn't normally go. And then in order to get out of those places, you have to become the person that can get out of those places, mm. which now serve you in many other aspects. I love it. No, that, that works out so well. Thank you for that. Um, we're getting low on time and I want to be respectful of you and, and your family and, and the time you've taken away from them. So is there anything I should have asked, but didn't? Well, this is a writing podcast. Yes. Right? I mean, writing, creating a mindset. And I would say, first of all, I don't consider myself a writer, which is silly because obviously I've written. Uh, I write every day. I don't consider it a gift of mine. I don't consider it that I do it well. Um but I do it, right? So if you wanna be a writer, write, Mm. right? If you wanna be an artist, create art. If you wanna be a YouTuber, create videos. You're not gonna be a YouTuber if you're not creating videos. Um, Create the habit, learn about the environments that allow you to create consistently Mm. so that you can reinforce that passion. You can reinforce that gift because there's nothing worse than seeing someone with a gift that never gets to share it. Uh, I forgot who it was that says, you know, the richest place in the world is a cemetery built with, or, or, you know, that, that with all the people that have gone to their grave that never shared their gift with the world, right? Like how, how, like I just said that and, I'm, and I get, I get goosebumps because 
the thought of that for me is that that's to me that's horrible like it's selfish it's horrible and if this is something that you have a gift in it's to a point where you're not sharing that gift because a gift is to give Mm -hmm. and you're not sharing it with the world Uh, like that to me is like the biggest sin (laughs) so to speak um so I, you know, I, I would say, I would say, you know, for people to, if you, as a writer, as a, as a creator, write, create, even if it's a little bit. What's the, what's the least that you can do, even on your worst day? Start with that and make that the thing that you do and commit to every day, because if you're a writer, actually, one of my favorite. Uh, let me share a book recommendation. If you're a writer, yeah. Um, that really shifted the idea of creating for me. And that was The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I don't know if you've read it. It's a short, short book. Uh, He's the one that created The the Legend of Bagger Vance. Um, One of the things that people don't realize is that before he wrote that, he was basically getting rejected for 27 years. He was writing for 27 years before he had that massive success. And since then, he's had more and more success, one of them being this, the war of art. And he talks about the resistance that meets each and every writer and the difference between a professional and an amateur is that a professional or an amateur waits until they're inspired to write. A professional writes to be inspired. Right. So I'm not inspired. Okay. Right. Anyways, eventually an inspirational strike because you've created the habit, you've created the space, you've created the mastery so that when inspiration does strike, you've honed it. You've put in the reps. You've also, you're also in the space to, to take advantage of it. Right. If you wait for inspiration to, 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 to hit for, for you to then start, working on your craft, you've missed the opportunity because you're not a master. You're not proficient in the craft yet. And so that thing that could have been powerful now is just the thing that is getting you going. Does that make sense? Makes complete sense. And every time I talk to you, there's always some type of just mind blowing aha moments I get all the time. I love it. I do. I really love just talking to you. It's so much, so awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, where, where can people find you? Like what, what, where do you want them to go to connect with you and, and learn more about you? Sure. Uh, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the book, uh, legacy, go to legacycodebook.com. It has a little bit about me. It has a synopsis of the book. It has some reviews. Um, But one of the things that I did also was I did a virtual book tour. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all, you know, seen writers and they go on their book tours. And what I realized was number, it was two things. Number one, I had really no desire to travel around the world um, and then not be with my family. And so I said, okay, wait, how can I reach people all around the world? Mm -hmm so that I don't have to take away time from my family 
or take away less time from my family mm-hmm. and but actually could live on so if you couldn't make it to this book signing then you missed out on whatever i said versus if it's recorded now everyone has access to it and so i did that and i have i think up there over 25 different interviews and different uh podcast interviews that people had done related to the book and what was fascinating about it was i found my i thought i was going to be answering the same questions and most of the interviews approached it so differently that the conversations went in so many different ways that I think will add a, a new level of richness to, to the book in and of itself. I, it, it actually gave me a deeper uh, respect for it because it, when they would ask me different questions, I had to think about it in a way that I hadn't thought about it before and how it related to the book and how it related to the principles in the book. So again, I think it'd be, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the legacy code, it's, it's, it's there. Um, as far as, you know, I'm on social media. If you're, if you like watching the creative part, follow me on, on Instagram. I, I believe it's a, a cruise three. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I share a little bit more of the business component. On there though I do share some of the creative stuff and then also on on our website you know uh, cruisecountry.com you know one of the big things that my wife and I have really touched upon not related to writing is being have created a system that really helps people suffering with pain and you know unfortunately if you're a writer and you're hunched over your thing very often that's that that is actually one of the things that that starts happening and so we've been able to create a system that helps people around the world uh so we we've been able to help people eliminate pain virtually um and master that system especially during the coronavirus and all this pandemic so that we're that this is something that we're really passionate about because by helping people eliminate pain, we give them access to, to their best self. And then from there, we peel back the layers on how to optimize vitality, energy, health, um, once we get rid of that pain and kind of go from there. So if you're interested in getting rid of pain or know somebody that's in pain, I would say cruise, C-R-U-Z, country.com. Awesome. I'll, I'll throw that all in the show notes as well. So. Armando, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It was awesome to see you again and just awesome to get to talk to you. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, anytime. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Have a good day.